0: Good morning, happy Monday to you. Welcome into a new week here in the morning, and a little bit later on today, we'll be joined by Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. We'll be turning on the light with him as we do each and every Monday. Uh, Jack's also going to be filling in for me this Friday. I have to go on a pre-planned uh, trip over the course of the weekend, doing something on Block Island. So he's going to fill in for me on Friday. So you'll get to hear Jack twice this week. Uh, But he's going to talk with us this morning about a number of things. But, of course, we'll also talk about his most recent column at NewBedfordLight.org where he gave us the history of Diaz Field and of the leagues that had played there and talked a bit about what the future of that field is. And a lot of folks asked him about, you know, he was here talking about it when he was filling in for Barry. He had on some city councillors to talk about it, uh, including Sean Oliver, who is the Ward 3 councillor that that Park is in his ward. And he discussed the future and what he would like to see happen and what he thinks is the best use for that. Well, he has since had the chance to, to have a chat with Mary Raposa, head of the Parks Department, and talk with her about what is the plan for the future there for sure with the soccer fields going in. And then he also was able to dive in because he got app chat messages and calls here and he got emails at New Bedford Light asking to look into the history of the field and why it's called Dias Field. And so he'll share that with us because it's very interesting and it shows how name changing happens quite a bit. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about, well, whatever else is on your mind at 508-996-0500. It was um, it was quite a weekend this weekend. The gamut of all different kinds of weather. Uh, I was home Saturday and when those storms came in and it was it, it wasn't overly warm in my house. I had the windows open. I haven't put the air conditioners in yet and and I said, I hope when the storms come through, it cools things down even more like I want to be chilly. I want to have to put on a sweater. Or sweatshirt. Like, I want to be chilly because it was starting to get, you know, warm inside. And it came through and it was just the most perfect. Well, I mean, I, I didn't have, I had the windows open and the fans on and that was all that I needed all weekend long. But I think this week might be the week I got to finally break down and put in the air conditioners. Have you put yours in already or do you have central air and have you turned it on already? I'm kind of like... The, the people who refuse to turn on their heat until Halloween or in some cases until Thanksgiving, those people, I, I applaud them and I try to be one of them. I mean, I don't, I'm not really quick to turn on the heat and I don't think I turned on the heat last year until quite late in the, in the fall. But I, I always cave when it comes to the air conditioning. But this year, with all the concerns about the electric bill pricing, and I've been able to keep my electric bill relatively under control, as I've said before, I do the um, the payment plan so that when I have to turn my air conditioners on in the summertime and leave them running, I can keep a balanced payment. I don't have to worry about getting a, a $500 or $600 bill in July or August and then having a $30 bill in December. I keep it so that it's spread out over the course of the year based on my average usage, but I still watch how much I'm using because I'm still seeing how much I'm adding into that overall balance. And so far, I've kept things relatively, I think I've been at like around $112 a month, but that's without putting the air conditioning in. And I have two. Last year, what I would do is I would, I I used to run them 24 hours a day because living in a house that was all like wood paneling and everything, it had a tendency to warm up. It had a lot of direct sunlight on it throughout the course of the day. So I I would turn the air conditioners on and leave them on and they would run 24 hours a day the whole time they were in. Last summer, I tried running them just when I was home and it seemed to work out okay. This year, I think I'm gonna have to try not only waiting until I'm home to turn them on but maybe even just turning them on for the room that I'm in. So we'll see how that goes. But if you've if you've already turned them on, you know, let me know how it's working out for you. Let me know if you've had them on for a while already, if you've been keeping an eye on your bill. I mean, I wish I had central air because at least that it's it's easier to keep balanced. And from my understanding, the newer air conditioners, even the window air conditioners are much more energy efficient. One of the ones that I have is probably seven or eight years old and the other one's probably 15 years old. So maybe I can save myself a little money just by investing in some, some newer ones. I was in Market Basket shopping on Friday and I saw at least five or six people walking around with air conditioners in their, in their carts. And I said, well, Maybe next time I'm grabbing some groceries, I'll I'll grab one of those. They're they're small. They are probably 5,000 BTU, which one of those will be fine for one of my rooms. And then I can take the newer one and put it in the other one. I had at one point, I had a 15,000 BTU air conditioner in the window of my home office. And that was kicking out cold air that was covering, because my house was all one floor. So between that one and the one that I had in my bedroom which pointed out the bedroom door and seeped over into my son's room, everybody had enough air conditioning. It was perfect. Then the 15,000 BTU one died and I said, "Well, we're never going to get another one of those. Those are so expensive." And then I went down to I think a 6500 and it was it was fine. So all those years I was paying for all those extra BTUs I didn't need to. And it would freeze me out whenever I went into the office. Like I'd be in the office trying to work and I'd go turn the air conditioning off and my wife would yell, what are you doing? Why are you turning that off? It's, it's like a freezer in here. So it, at least we got through toward the end of June before you needed them. If If you even put them in, some folks might even hold off a little bit more. Some people might have 4th of July as their target, the same way they target Thanksgiving or or Halloween for the heat. I used to keep the heat off as 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 long as I could, but then Halloween night we would always kind of have to make an exception because we would have the doors and the windows open throughout the course of the evening as we were doing our big Halloween display out in the yard. So when we came inside, we might have to turn the heat on for a little bit just to warm the house up again. But we were very lucky to have a lot of warm Halloweens over the years that we were doing that decoration. The only problem is it was always windy. I would go home and I would set up because I didn't want to set up ahead of time. I didn't want to spoil the surprise for the neighborhood kids with what I'd come up with for that year. So I'd come home from work, get home about 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. My son and I would start setting everything up. And by 5, 6 o'clock, we'd be ready to go. And then the kids would all come down and be freaked out and then refused to come up into the yard because they were too scared. We had to give away full-size candy bars just to get kids to come up to the the staircase. 508-996-0500. You can also hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. Um, We do have uh, some podcasts available for you as well. Some folks have reached out and asked about the Saturday podcast. There was just a little bit of a technical issue. Uh, in the studio, so we don't have the Saturday podcasts for you. So to the people that called and asked, uh, that uh, message and asked, we won't have those ones up, but maybe we can pull them up there and post them up there for you later on, but uh, they will not be there, but everything else should be there. We got South Coast tonight up to date. Uh, That was a a me problem. I didn't realize it was an auto posting, so I went and caught those up and uh, you should be all up to date on that. Also, I want to talk today a little bit about last week we talked about this and I know Paul Santos talked about it on Saturday when he was filling in for Ken, but I've been seeing from a lot of my friends in youth sports that this situation that happened a few weeks ago where they had to, I forget what town it was now, all of a sudden just went blank, but the Umpires said, that's it. We are not taking part in this anymore until this is all ironed out. We can't deal with this parent behavior anymore. And I've seen a lot of folks that I know who are involved in leagues and who are umpires or referees, depending on the sport, who have looked at this and said, about time. About time that this has come to a head. About time that... The way the parents have been acting is finally going to have to be put under a microscope. And it's funny because you think about it. There's been a lot of cases over the years where that should have already happened. We've had officials who have been beat up, coaches who have been beat up. We've had parents who have been yelling at kids who I'm going to tell you, this might come as a shock to some of you. The kids care less about who wins or loses these games than you do. You know, when you get up to the higher levels and it's really competitive, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure the kids are really emotionally invested in who wins or loses. But if it's just the regular Saturday, you know, 10 or 11-year-old league, I, I think they're going to be fine if they, if they don't win there's no uh there's no major league baseball scouts out in the crowd watching your kid the future of his or her college scholarship is not on the line when they're ten or eleven years old but yet people get so worked up about it and i've I've been there i've I've covered it I've had people reach out to me about oh you have a guy I've got a story for you you got to hear about what these umpires did then I've also seen it from the other perspective of being a parent in the crowd and also from being a coach on the field and I I don't get what the sense of entitlement is that you know your child should be favored over other children someone once accused me when I was coaching baseball of wanting to keep my kid in the game and not putting other kids in the game because we were giving everybody equal time. And this, this guy's kid was really, really good. I have to admit he went on to be a a big time player in high school. I don't know what happened after that, but this kid was really, really good. Probably one of the top five players in the league even at that time, at that age. And his dad accused me of keeping my kid in the game too long and not giving his kid enough time. And I looked at him and I said, sir, my kid doesn't even want to be here. (laughs) He's only here because his Nana paid for him to play baseball and she's making him go through the whole season. He doesn't want to be here. I put him out there as little as possible. He doesn't pay attention when he's out there. He may even get hurt. So I don't know why you think that I am favoring my, my child who does not have a future in this sport. He is done after this season. I am not putting him out there over your child. We are giving everybody the same amount of time. I'm forcing him to do the same amount of time as all the other kids to keep it fair. Because if he didn't stay out there, somebody else would get too much time. So it was just it shows just how much the distortion happens in the minds. So I'm glad to see that the situation has made coaches and umpires and referees feel better about the situation, feel better about the fact that, you know, maybe now they're finally starting to pay attention, but I don't think it's going to change things unfortunately. Maybe in that particular league there'll be some new rules and regulations and more of an emphasis on keeping an eye on parent behavior but I don't think it's going to change things across the board. 508-996-0500 I'm going to take my first break. Be back in a few moments. Wait. In a decade or so, maybe maybe a little bit more than that, if the Red Sox are looking for a new person to play center field, perhaps Charlie Mulligan could be the future at that position. I don't know if you saw this story. There was a family of Red Sox fans who were at Fenway Park yesterday to watch the Red Sox and Yankees. Good Father's Day activity, right? Pat Mulligan was there with his two sons, Jack and Charlie, and they were sitting in the Coca-Cola left field deck and there was, a, um, there was a foul ball that landed in their section. And another fan picked up the ball and turned around and handed it to young Charlie Mulligan, who immediately took the ball and threw it back toward the field. And then his brother Jack, who saw what his little brother Charlie did, stamps his foot and starts to cry because he's like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? We came here to get one of those. And you're throwing it back on the field. And then once he starts getting upset and crying, then Charlie starts crying. So Jack the dad is just kind of... I mean, sorry, Pat the dad is just trying to, you know, console both of these kids. And, of course, they kept getting put on TV. And as it's being put on the television, Kenley Jansen sees this going on because they've got the TV feed going on in the bullpen. So he... He sees what's going on. He sends up a signed ball and a signed jersey to the boys. And the Red Sox did a bunch of other stuff for them. But it was just, you know, it was nice to see that that, you know, first of all, let's start at the very beginning of that sequence. A foul ball goes up into the deck and a fan picks that up, turns around and gives that to the little boy behind him. That's a nice thing to see, especially when so often you see adult men trying to rip the ball away from the chance of a kid catching it. But in this case, the fan gets the ball, he turns around. I guess his name is Mike, according to to WCVB. He turns around and he gives the ball to little Charlie, who then immediately throws it back. And if you haven't seen the clip, if you didn't see it on the game, it's all over social media. It's it's the funniest thing because he's just doing what he's probably been told to do before. You know, you shag the ball, you throw it back, and and so he just takes the ball and immediately throws it back, and then his brother freaks out about it. So it was it was uh you know it ended well for sure. It ended much better for those boys than it would have been if they had just kept that ball. One time I was covering a game. Uh, it was one of the Red Sox Yankees playoffs game, playoff games and. It was actually, I forget if it was, oh, it must have been 04. And I was outside the park because I didn't have a credential to get in the park. The credentials were so hard to get. I couldn't get in the park. So my my editor at the Standard Time said, just go outside the park and write like a, a flavor piece. And so I'm walking around and I'm talking to the sausage guy behind the green monster. And A-Rod hit a home run that went right over our heads and went into this like trough behind the sausage guy, that I could have jumped down in and picked up the ball. And we had the radio going on the sausage guy's cart, and so we knew what had happened. And nobody made a move to go in and get the ball. And the sausage guy looks at me and he goes, aren't you going to go get the ball? And I looked at him and I go, nah, A-Rod hit it. I don't want it. (laughs) And plus, you know, I just figured it should go to a fan who was there for the game and not the reporter that was covering it. But uh, I kind of wish now that I'd had it because – it, it, it probably had some value one way or the other. Anyway, it is time to go into the newsroom with Adam Bass and all of your WBSM news.
1: Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is meeting today with Chinese President Xi Jinping in Beijing. It is the second and final day of a high-stakes visit aimed at easing spiraling tensions between the two world's largest economies. Blinken's trip to China is the first by a U.S. Secretary of State since 2018. Those in the know say his visit could pave the way for a November meeting between the President Biden and Xi. The chair of the U.S. House Intelligence Committee says China is feeling the heat from the United States. Speaking on CNN's State of the Union, Republican Congressman Mike Turner of Ohio talked about a bipartisan committee House Speaker Kevin McCarthy formed to deal with the threat of China. Turner said he expects a more tempered, a more tempered response to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who is in Beijing, to meet with Chinese officials. Turner was referring to Blinken's previous meeting in Alaska when his Chinese counterpart chastised him in the U.S. Blinken is the first U.S. diplomat to visit China in nearly five years. A Pennsylvania state trooper is dead and another is in the hospital after a weekend manhunt ended with multiple shootouts with the suspect. In an update Sunday, authorities said a man drove into the parking lot of a police station Saturday in Mifflintown and started firing bullets into marked patrol cars. A trooper was struck and is now in critical condition. The suspect fled the scene and a manhunt ensued. Police say they found him in a short time later and both parties exchanged gunfire, leaving both an officer and the suspect dead. Recent storms have knocked out power for many Mississippians, leaving them without air conditioning or as the weather warms up. Rebecca Hughes has details on how some organizations are helping. Widespread power outages combined with the heat have prompted several municipalities and relief organizations to open buildings to serve as cooling centers across the state. The city of Jackson partnered with the American Red Cross and the Mississippi Rapid Response Coalition to offer places where residents can go to stay cool, recharge their mobile devices, and pick up ice. For an updated list of locations, people are advised to contact the Red Cross or the Mississippi Rapid Response Coalition. I'm Rebecca Hughes. President Biden is on the move this week. A White House official says Biden will highlight climate commitments made by his administration as part of a three-day trip to Northern California. The president is set to visit Palo Alto today, where he's likely to announce new federal funding for climate resilience projects. It's part of Biden's climate and health care bill that was signed last year. He's expected to remain in the Bay Area until Wednesday. Golfer Wyndham Clark is celebrating his first major championship. Clark finished atop the leaderboard Sunday at the Los Angeles Country Club at 10 under par to win the U.S. Open. The 29-year-old earns his second victory in his 137th PGA Tour start after winning the 2023 Wells Fargo Championship. Rory McIlroy finished in second place at under 9-par. Scotty Scheffler earned a third-place finish at 7-under. And if you hate Mondays and love lasagna, today's your day. Bree Tennis Explains
0: today we celebrate the 45th birthday of Garfield the cat the ginger feline was created by Jim Davis and named after his grandfather he says no one cat is the inspiration for the nap loving kitty who hates raisins diets and only tolerates Odie his dog companion he's worth 800 million dollars and counting Garfield the cat rakes in about 750 million to a billion dollars every single year for basically napping maybe he's on to something I'm Bree tennis NBC News
1: Radio. In sports, the Red Sox beat the Yankees last night 4 to 1, ending their series with a sweep. They now face the Minnesota Twins tonight at 7:10 p.m. And now, here is your ABC6 weather forecast. We still have an unsettled weather pattern in the area for today and tomorrow.
0: Expect temperatures to only warm up to those upper 60s just because we have a light northwest wind that will keep us just slightly cooler with those partly cloudy skies. Overnight tonight we get down to 57 degrees and our rain chances do start to increase slightly. For tomorrow we will be reaching those upper 60s. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM.
1: It is currently 56 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app.
0: has summer memories associated with this song. For me, it was the summer of 1997. I was driving around in my 82 Trans Am, the one that had 400 and something thousand miles on it. But I was driving around in that with with that cassette, Don Henley's greatest hits, Actual Miles is the name of the album. I had that um, blasting out of my AC Delco cassette player in my Trans Am. And didn't have air conditioning, so always had the windows down. And, oh, what a what a great car that was. What a great summer that was. And you know what? Summer is important as a time to make memories. But why not help your child make memories of how to run their own business? Because coming up this Saturday, June 24th, Bay Coast Bank is helping us present... Lemonade Day South Coast, it's happening again Saturday, June 24th, and it'll be taking place all day long all across the South Coast. And in order for people to know where to go to be able to visit your child's lemonade stand and to make a purchase and to help them learn about running their own business, well, we need to know where your stand is going to be. You need to add your stand name, your hours of operation, your menu items, and other key information at LemonadeDay.org slash South Coast. That's LemonadeDay.org slash South Coast. Dozens of kids have already put their stand on the map, like the Sour Brothers in New Bedford and the Bettencourt Boys in Fairhaven. And so make sure that your child gets theirs up there so that we have it all listed by Saturday because folks are going to be going to that site, to the map, to know where to go to visit the Lemonade Stands. Lemonade Day is made possible with community support from A&M Driving School, 7-Eleven in Mattapoisett, and the committee to elect Bruce Oliveira for school committee. So Lemonade Day coming up. And also make sure that you take lots of photos of your child's Lemonade Stand, or if you're going out and visiting these stands, you know, take photos of the stands as you're going around, and then send them all into to us via the WBSM app. If you just open it up, there's a button there. You can even use the open line button because that allows you to send videos and photos too and just send them all in and tell us which stand it was and what town and then we'll put together a big gallery of all those photos and we will have them all up for you later on in the week next week at WBSM.com and on the app so you can see all of the great lemonade stands and see all the kids that were able to earn money. It's not just about earning money to put into their own pocket either. Some children do that. Some children run these lemonade stands so they can have a little spending money for the summer or because they're trying to save up for something they want to buy. You know, maybe maybe they came up short on their birthday money to go and buy their PlayStation 5 and they need to come up with another 100 bucks. You know, so some some kids are doing it for that reason. Some kids are doing it to save it. They're going to take all of their earnings and then go open a bank account, and they're going to learn about banking and saving and interest and all of that. And still others are doing it as a fundraiser. A lot of others are doing it as a fundraiser, not for themselves, but for different charitable organizations or people who are in need. And that's what's great about it is they they give you all the story of what's going on with it, as well as all the information about the lemonade stand. So if you've got something, if you've got a story to share, you can do that as well. But I think uh, we'll have, I'm going to predict one of the best lemonade days we've ever had. Coming up on Saturday, June 24th. I've been watching the weather. It's a little iffy, but it's still going to be good lemonade weather. So we'll keep an eye on it as we get closer to it. But uh, just, you know, make sure your stand has a canopy over it and, and you'll be fine. People will still be coming out and looking to drink that delicious lemonade. All right, going to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. <laughs>
1: After 17
0: years That what he goes there for Is to unlock the
1: door For those around And criticize and sleep
0: Through a fractal On a breaking wall I see you my friend And touch your face again Welcome back in. 508-996-0500. Or oh. oh, you can hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app or open line voicemails on the WBSM app. And I think, you know, I, I look every year at my at my bills and I look and see, you know, what is costing me the most money. And I think to myself, well, this year is the year that I'm going to try and and pare that down. And this year I was able to do that by taking away one of my biggest monthly payments. Well, it wasn't one of my biggest, but certainly a big chunk out of my monthly uh, income was my car payment. And I I paid my car off and I thought about trading it in and getting something newer because now it's, you know, well over a decade old. And I said, yeah, get something a little bit, a little more modern, Something with those heated seats for getting up in the morning and having to sit on the cold seats or, you know, driving home late at night and needing to warm the car up faster or something that has, you know, a more modern entertainment system in it. But I I decided I want to save the money. And another way that you can save money, another big bill that happens for a lot of families around here is insurance because you have all kinds of insurance for all kinds of things. Well, Why not go to the folks that can help you get the best possible deal on all of your insurance needs? It's not just about the car, not just about the home, not just about the motorcycle, the boat, all these other things that you might need to have insured. Go to Paul and Dixon Insurance because they are a name that you can trust. They've been in the insurance business for almost two centuries. That means they were doing insurance for things now that you're insuring that didn't even exist back then. There was no car insurance When they started in 1852, but they've been doing it better than anybody for almost two centuries. So if you want to be able to get the best deals possible, they've got a staff that has over 15 years, that averages over 15 years of experience. So they know about the South Coast. They know about what you need for insurance, but they also have access to over 30 carriers. So not only do they know what you need, but they know how to get it for you at the best available rate. Paul and Dixon Insurance is the place to go. They are the experienced experts who will counsel you every step of the way. They will do the shopping for you to make sure that you get the right insurance at the right price. You can visit them at 388 County Street in New Bedford. You can give them a call at 508-996-8593. Again, 508-996-8593. Or the best thing to do is just to go online, pd-ins.com. That's pd Dash inscom simple to remember pd for paul and dixon pd-ins for insurance.com all right well 508-996-0500 that's my number if you want to call in i can't offer you any advice on insurance but i can talk with you about whatever is on your mind and this week is going to be a big week in the city of new bedford because there is a major Accomplishment, a major, a crown jewel for the city that will be opening up officially on Friday. Abolition Row Park will officially open on Friday, June 23rd at 1 p.m. And as part of that, they will be unveiling the Frederick Douglass statue. Right now, it's in a wooden box. You can't really see it. But on Friday, June 23rd, as part of this ceremony to... Officially open abolitionist row park, they will unveil the Frederick Douglass statue. Very exciting. It's been a long time coming, years in the making. But I'm, I'm excited to see how the statue looks. I'm excited to see how people take to it, how people go down and visit it uh, throughout the course of the summer. All, I'm sure all of the tourists that come into the city that want to learn all about our history will make that a destination point. But it's also going to be an important place for residents to go as well and to experience. And that's the idea behind this park is it's for everybody. It's not just to be a historic tour stop. It's to be a park for all of New Bedford and to represent the inclusivity of New Bedford. So it should be a really, really fun ceremony. It should be uh, one that has... A lot of recognition for the folks that made this happen. Because, as I said, it's been a long time coming. And on this Friday, it's finally here. So hopefully you will get a chance to get out there and be part of the ceremony of the opening. Unfortunately, I won't be here. I won't be in town. But uh, I look forward to seeing all of the photos and the videos and everything. And then, of course, I'll, I'll make sure to stop by and check out the statue when I come back next week. 508-996-0500. We also have, um, as the summer goes on too, keep in mind that at WBSM.com and on the app, we're going to have all of the information about different things that are going on, different things that you need to know about. Uh, Right now we have an article up about the Buzzards Bay swim. We talked about it last week with Beth McDermott, and she was also on Town Square Sunday this week uh, as they were able to get a little bit more in depth with Jim Phillips about some of the work of the Buzzards Bay coalition but there's still time to sign up. That's still going to be happening on Saturday. Again, I know the weather's a little iffy, but it should be okay to get out there and and have the Buzzards Bay swim. There's also that story that you've heard Adam Bass talking about in the news about the oil spill that happened in Buzzards Bay, but it shouldn't affect the swim. It's 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 Going to dissipate, and it'll. It's the cleanup was already over by yesterday afternoon, and it should be perfectly fine for people to get into the water on Saturday. But still, when you hear the term "mile long oil spill," you think to yourself, "Well, that sounds disastrous." But according to the authorities, uh, it wasn't nearly as bad as it sounds, and it certainly will not impact the Buzzards Bay swim. So, looking forward to everybody getting out there for that you can still sign up if you want to take part all the information is in that story at wbsm.com and on the app if you want to take part in it all right let's take our final break of this hour and be back in just a few moments Just a moment. We will have all of the ABC news, your national and international headlines, and then Adam Bass will have all your local news on the other side of that. We will also talk later on in the program in the 8 o'clock hour with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light as we will be turning on the light. We will be uh, discussing certainly Jack's column, uh, which you can read at newbedfordlight.org, about the uh, Dias Field, about the history of the field. And I found it really interesting exactly what the history of that park was and the leagues that have played there. Because we all know, you know, most recently the Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball League was the league that played on Diaz Field. And that league folded a couple of years ago. And it had some issues uh, going back a couple years before that. And now it appears that they're going to turn that park into soccer fields. But to see that. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by.